Well, good morning. It's good to see all your smiling faces and all the fellowship going on. It's good to be with you today. Thank you so much for coming out and, uh, and hanging out with us today at New Life. I'm Nate Krizik. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and so it's good to be with you. I'm going to quote a famous movie. You'll know it if you've got kids. Guess what? The cold never bothered us anyway, right? Amen. Your favorite movie? Oh, that's a, okay. Maybe not. He didn't want to acknowledge that. But you've probably seen it a million times. It's all over Facebook. If you don't ask somebody who's got children or grandkids and they're like, oh yeah, Frozen, the movie Frozen, you could probably quote it, sing it. Do you want to sing it? No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to sing it. But hey, we are glad that you're here this morning. We want to welcome all of you that are uh, worshiping with us down in the venue here today at North Platte, or in, not in North Platte. I'm here in Kearney, not in North Platte. I'm here in Kearney. But all of you who are worshiping out North Platte as well, we want us to say thank you so much for joining us and being with us today. Uh, I want to say a special uh, hello to my grandma. My grandma is there with uh, them in North Platte. So hi, grandma. It's good to be with you. I've also got family in the venue, so it's good to be with you guys, and it's great to, to be with you guys here in the main auditorium. So are you guys doing well today? Good. Awesome. Well, we're, we're glad that you're here. We're in our current series, The Essentials of the E100, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about effective Christian living, because everybody wants to be effective, right? Okay, okay. Some of you want to be effective. So since we're a little bit smaller today, you can just communicate with me. Oh, also, hey, all of you who are watching online, you need to, uh, there's a little chat button to the right. Make sure you hit that, and uh, Pastor Jeff will actually be with you um, from Israel, so he'll chat with you. So if you're watching online today, we're glad that you're here. Um, they told me that I couldn't preach in my PJs, so if you're in your PJs, good for you. That is awesome. I wish I could be in my PJs, but... We don't have to do like a shot from here up, so whatever. Um, but we're glad, it's good, we're, good to, we're good to be here, it's good to be here, we're glad you're here. So, effective Christian living. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1, we'll, we'll get there to that in a moment. But um, effectiveness. Uh, has anybody ever bought a, some furniture from, uh, from a retail store? And it's in a box, you know what I'm saying? Like your wife says, buy like a shoe rack. And you're like, okay, honey, I'll buy you the shoe rack. And, or she's like, hey, would you buy this um, bookshelf? And you're like, okay. And I, I'm kind of a, a fix-it type of guy. Like I can fix things. And uh, so I open up the package and I'm like, I know how this goes together. I mean, there's some, bi- there's some big boards here and it's got some screws. And then, you know, but I, I, I see the nicely packed, organized B6 screw that goes to A14. You know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I oh, forget that. I can do this. And then I find myself like using more of the hammer than the little Allen wrench that it comes with. Anybody ever been there? Just frustrated? You're like, ah! you just want to pull your hair out? Um, yeah, I've been there. But it would have went easier if I would have used the instructions, right? Okay, maybe you're not, you're not comprehending. But, well, maybe, okay, maybe you are. Because you're like, dude, I just used the instruction manual. How many, anybody get some new electronics over Christmas? You know, you get that thing. I, I love electronics because most of them are color coordinated. It's like, it's like kindergarten. It's like blue goes with blue, green goes with green. I, I can do that, you know, hooking it up. But once I get hooked up, this is where I struggle. Because to get everything synced up, you know what I'm saying? Like you have that one remote that just universal and does everything, and then you're just getting the spinning wheel of death. And you're like, come on, I'm about ready to throw the thing through the TV. But if I would invite, you know, any junior hires or high schoolers over, right, they'd have been like, oh, Pastor Nate, I got this, no problem, just a little... Not me. I have to like, okay, what's the instruction manual say? Oh, that's Spanish. I can't do that. But here, you know what I'm saying? Whatever. 
Other times, how many people love to cook? You love to cook today? You're a cooker? Okay, great. Well, my wife will be like, hey, Nate, would you, would you cook us a meal? And I'm like, sure, let me try. So I get out there, and she gives me a recipe, and I'm like, I'm one of those guys. Who needs a recipe? Like, one of my strengths is adaptability. Like, that's the number one strength of, and I took the strength finders test, adaptability. Anything, it doesn't matter. I'll just, woo-woo. That's probably why I'm, like, all over the place sometimes. But I go to cook, and she's like, what are you doing? And I'm, like, adding some cayenne spices to spaghetti. And she's like, what? That, you, that does not go in there. Like, oregano goes in there. And I'm like, I know, but we're going to spice it up like Emeril Lagasse. Bam! Woo! You know what I'm saying? And then we get to it, the final product, and she's like, this is nasty. And I'm like, I, I, I'm sorry. I just thought I would just try my own style of spaghetti. And you know what I'm saying? So it's the same way in our life, and it's real life for us today. You know, there's so many times in our, lives that we, in our life that we waste our life, and we cost ourselves pain by doing life our own way. When God has given us his instruction manual, so we will be successful in everything we do. And so today, if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 1. We're going we're gonna to look at the life of Joshua. And so if you went, how many people were at the Walk of the Bible that are here today? Cool, great, awesome. Thank you for your hands. Um, also, down, down in the gym, hopefully you raise your hands in North Platte. So, or at home. You know, awesome. Just get your hands right in there. Do some little chatting with Pastor Jeff. It'll be great. Um, so, uh, walk through the Bible. We are at the Kadesh Oasis. All right? So, we're at the Kadesh Oasis. I'm a little bit better, and we're talking about Joshua. So, that's get those hand signals in there so you know what we're doing and where we're going. If you don't, um, and you saw somebody in your, in your row going, Oh, what were you doing? Just pay them 20 bucks and they'll give you the abbreviated version. It'll be great. So they'll be happy and you'll be happy too, knowing all that's going on. So we're looking at the life of Joshua at the Kadesh Oasis. That's the first place that we meet Joshua. And uh, he's one of the 12 spies um, that are sent to go explore the promised land. And uh, he's, Moses sends them out to go wander around for 40 days and, and scope out the land. How many people are like adventurous and you'd have been like, I would want to be one of the 12 spies? Three people in there. Awesome. Okay, this is going to be great. So one of the 12 spies. So he's out there scoping, and they get out there, and they come back with a report, and they're like, Moses, man, this land is awesome. Well, kind of. Joshua and Caleb, they had that perspective, but the rest of the people were freaking out. But Joshua and Caleb like, man, the fruit is huge. It's flowing with milk and honey. This is a party zone. It's going to be great. We can do this. But some of the other guys were like, yeah, that's all great. But when we were in there in the promised land, we were looking around. Dude, there were people everywhere. There's four to five cities. They have walls. These guys have armor. And they are like the real stinking deal. And they're huge. And we look like grasshoppers compared to them. So that message, there's 10 of them and two of them going, woo, we can defeat them. And 10 of them are like, we're going to die. So guess what? All the Israelites are like, we can't do this. We're going to die. God, why did you send us out of Egypt when we should have just stayed there and we could have died there peacefully? But God's calling them and saying, hey, Joshua, we're going to lead these people. Moses, go look and see what, have the people see what they can find. And so that's where we're at in the middle of, of this in the Bible right now. Joshua and Caleb say, man, we can go to the promised land and we can crush all of the ites. The ites are the Hittites, Jebusites, all the ites in the Bible, November, or Numbers uh, 13. Check it out, read about it, and uh, hopefully you've, you can find out more information about all the ites there. But the people disobeyed God, so they rebelled. They're like, no, we're not going to do this. And uh, God judges them and, and sends Israel to, to wait for 40 years before they can enter the promised land. And he promises them that every person that's 20 years and older, they're going to die in the wilderness, and they won't be able to, to go into the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua. So that's where we're going to kind of pick it up today, Deuteronomy 31, 2, 3, and 6. So if you don't have your Bible there, that's fine, because I didn't tell you to go there. Um, but here we go. Deuteronomy 31. He said, this is Moses speaking, I am now 120 years old. I am no longer able to lead you, 
The Lord has told me, you will not cross the Jordan River. The Lord said to Moses, you will not. Joshua, but Joshua, you will lead, you will lead, but he will lead you across the river just as the Lord had promised. Okay, here we go. Verse six. So be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not panic before them. For the Lord your God will personally go ahead of you and he will, ne- he will neither fail you nor abandon you. What a promise, right? What a promise. So shortly after this promise and blessing from Moses to, to Joshua, then Moses dies, and it's time for Joshua to lead. And, but, and, and the cool thing is, is now it's a 40-year period. Uh, all of the old generation of people that are like, well, we're going to die, they're all dead. Praise God. Say Somebody say amen. Or they died. That's the other signal for died. Okay, so they died. But... It's now time they're on the eastern side of the Jordan River and on the other side is the promised land. And Joshua knows that, man, when we get over to the promised land, that we're going to have seven, there's going to be seven enemy nations there. They're stronger than us. They're, they're fortified cities with great big walls. They're better equipped with weapons than us. But man, I think we can maybe do it. Can you imagine maybe being Joshua a little bit? Do you think he was maybe just a little scared? I mean, you're taking over after Moses. Some, some writings say that Moses' face shined like the sun. So not was he just bright, woo, but I mean, he had, a, he had a heart that was connected to the Lord and said, okay, God, I'm going to walk in obedience. Yet the people rebelled. That's not, he can't, you know, one guy can't, you know, fix everybody, but they rebelled. But Moses, coming in after Moses, what Joshua has seen Moses do, I mean, that would be a little scared. Those are big shoes to fill, right? I remember coming in, you know, and doing ministry and, and stepping into the next, and I'm like, dude, this is scary. I mean, he's leading three million people. I can barely lead myself. Now you're going to lead three, three million people? Crazy, right? Crazy. But he has this heart that says, okay, I think we can do this. I think we can do this. And I, I think Joshua, if I'd have been Joshua, this is how I would have reacted. Way before the prophet had said, if you don't ship up or ship out, man, you're all going to be out of here. I would have been like, get out of here. You people, if you're not going to follow me, then just go jump in the Jordan River. But that's not what he said, amen? Somebody say amen. Okay, good. The same idea of, there could have been a crippling effect for Joshua. Fear could have crippled Joshua's outlook, and it could have stopped him in his tracks. But it didn't, because God spoke a promise to Joshua. Joshua 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. The key here, there's a promise. Be strong and courageous. Don't deviate. Be, walk in obedience. Obedience is key for us today. Obedience is key. It's the key to faithfulness to God. When God says jump, you should say, man, you, oh, these guys are good. Hopefully you got that down in North Platte and in the gym and online. These people got it. Yeah, when, you, when he says jump, you say how high. You get with it. Because what, what could have happened if Joshua would have said no, what he had seen in the past is, oh man, when the people of Israel said no to God, they had to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. And Joshua's going, we're not going to wander anymore. I'm tired of wandering. Anybody tired of wandering? Yeah. Sometimes in our life, I think the wilderness becomes a real deal for us. When we say no to God, when God speaks to us and we say no to him, then there's like kind of a wilderness effect. I know you know people, I know I know people, and people I've seen that have said no to God, they're in kind of this wilderness effect. They lack purpose. They lack direction. They try to find or to uh, fill themselves with the emptiness of life, material things, substance, relationships, things that make them happy. But all of the pain and wandering could have been avoided if they just would have said yes, yes to God. Have you met those people? When God speaks to them and they choose to say no, then they're kind of just in this, just this cycle of wandering, 
Well, I'll go try this. I'll go try this. I don't know. I'll try this. And they come back eventually. They have to get so broken where they hit the bottom, and they go, man, I guess God was all I needed. If I just would have said yes in that moment, I'd have my purpose. Okay, it got really quiet in here. I think I'm hitting some people right between the eyes. Man, don't be a person that has to wander. Be a person that when God speaks, you say, how high? God, yes to whatever it is you're saying. I may not understand it completely. I may not see the big blueprint and the big picture, but God, I'm going to say yes to you. Come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. So today, when God asks you to serve his church or to do something for him, and fear tries to cripple you, essential truth number one is reflect on the past experience of God's faithfulness. Remember the way you relied on the Lord in previous crisis and how his goodness carried you through the difficulties. Man, can I just be honest with you? Because today, I just, finances stress me out. Anybody else in that boat? Finances just stress me out. When, if my finances aren't in order, I'm like a bear. I, you don't want to be around me. I'm irritable. I can't sleep. I don't eat. I just am agitated all the time, and I'm just panicking, and I'm just like sweating. I always sweat, but I'm just, yeah, you know, like I'm just like, oh, on, on edge. But there was a moment in my life where God just really just was challenging me. When I was in high school, um, I, I grew up in the church, and so I, I, wa- I understood the idea of tithing, and I watched my parents tithe um, twice a month. They would write a check, and I'd see them giving the offering plate. And I, I was 16 years old, and I got a job doing underground sprinklers, and my parents came to me, and they didn't force me to, like, you need to give your 10% to the Lord. They just came to me and said, hey, what are you going to do with that money? And I knew what they were suggesting. Hey, you probably should tithe, tithe and give your 10% to God. And I was like, come on, really? I don't make that much money anyway, but God, do I really, God, do, I'm, I'm 16 years old, do I have to give you the money? And eventually I struggled and wrestled with it, and I was reluctant, but I gave. And I began to give, and it taught me something. I was like, okay, God, I can trust you with this. I mean, I didn't like win the lottery or anything at 16 because you can't play, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I just was like, okay, God, I'm just going to trust you. But that same picture when I was 16 rolled over to when I just graduated college and I, and I was a youth pastor now. I was making hardly any money in Lincoln, and I, I was just struggling. I had some relationship things going on um, with the, the pastor that was there. It was a difficult time for me. And um, I, I, the money that I was promised, I wasn't going to get. And so God says, Nate, are you going to trust me? And I'm like, God, I don't make any money. I'm giving all my time to these students, and I'm hanging out trying to grow this youth ministry. And God says, are you going to trust me? And I'm like, oh, come on, Lord. So I wrestled with the Lord for a couple weeks, and I, I didn't, I, I, I would take the 10%, and I would set it aside, and I was reluctant again, but I said, okay, God, I guess I can trust you. And so I gave in the offering plate, I gave my 10%, I gave my tithe, and guess what happened? The transmission in my car broke down. Doesn't that how, it, isn't that just how it works sometimes? Like, God, I'm giving to you, what is going on? Like, I'm trying, I'm like trying to trust you. Do you like want me not to ever give again? But that's the, that's my, that was my heart at the time. I was like, God, if I give, I'm going to get. Woo, woo. You know, you might see this little dance in the Super Bowl today, you know, tonight or something. But I, I, sometimes I'm giving going, God, you're gonna, I'm going to get back. I'm going to get back. And that's not the right heart at all. That wasn't the right heart. But God said, hey, will you trust me? And so I just began to give. And shortly after, I gave a, or I got a, a newer vehicle. And God did some cool things in my life where I wasn't making a lot of money. But somebody said, hey, you know, if you come live in, you can come live in our place. And it was just, God just began to just bless. And just began to just go, hey, I'm going to be faithful because you are faithful. You be faithful, I'll be faithful. And I really believe where I'm at today is because of my faithfulness back then. What is God speaking to you today? That he's saying, if you'll trust me now, guess what I can do in the future? 
That's good. Man, that, if what you do now is going to dictate your future. So will you trust the Lord today? Or will you say no and, you just, and you're just wandering around? Say yes today. Say yes today to God. Today I believe some of us are missing out on God's best because we're afraid to trust God with our finances. Some of us are just scared. Well, God, you know, you know what my bills are? Okay, I get that. Take Dave Ramsey for that stuff. But give to God what is due to God. Malachi 3.10 says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's army, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out my blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I mean, I, I don't have like a bunch of money in the bank to be like, yeah, hey, come to Nate because Nate, if God's saying yes to Nate, then if I ask Nate, he'll say yes. I don't have that. But God is faithful. There's always just enough. He's faithful. But maybe it's not finances today. Maybe it's other things. Are you experiencing God's faithfulness? That's my question to you. Are you experiencing God's faithfulness? While I was sharing that story, did it make you go, man, I remember God's faithfulness this one time. Or man, this time and this time, God was faithful. God was faithful. Or today, are you, are you afraid to trust God because you think he's going to ask you for something? This is my thought on that whole, if God's asking you to give up something. If God asks you to give up something that you can't, you don't really own it. It owns you. And that's not a spiritually healthy place to live. Man, what, what is it that is consuming you? A hobby, relationships, your career, whatever. What has it just got you all wrapped up that's just become an, an idol in your life? And God's saying, hey, will you let me in here? Will you give me a place? Will you allow me to be number one in your life? So today, how can we live an effective Christ-centered life if, never, if, if none of us have read or we don't take much time to, to get into the instruction manual, manual? That's the Bible today. Did you know to become an expert? People say that it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert at anything. 10,000 hours. I mean, so that means if you would just read your Bible for one hour a day, it would take you 27 and a half years to become an expert in the Word of God. That's a long time. And God was challenging me with that about being an expert. In 2015, everybody, you know, loving the new year so far? We're starting the new, new month, February 1st today. Anybody have any New Year's resolutions? I know some of you down in the gym are raising your hand. You're like, yes. Some of you, maybe you had a New Year's resolution. I'm not really that guy. I just want to live in balance and moderation all the time. But God was challenging me. He said, Nate, what, what, how's 2015 going to be different than 2014? And I was like, I don't know, God. And God was speaking to me. And he goes, what are you an expert at? And I, I'm one of those guys that I can do, I'm a, kind of a jack of all trades. I'll do a lot of different things. I can help out with a lot of different things, but I do it okay or well, but I'm not like an expert. Like some of you guys, you're mechanics or you're like engineers or, you know, like you guys are, like you moms are like the real deal with your children. Like you're experts at raising your kids. You know what I'm saying? Grandmas, you're like experts at that. I, I, I was like, I don't know, God, what I'm really an expert in. Nobody calls me and goes, hey, Nate, will you do this? And God said, Nate, would you become an expert at saying yes to me? Will you become an expert in 2015 saying yes to me? And it was just like a challenge. And I was like, okay, God, I'm going to do that. So now don't call me be like, hey, can you help me move? Or can you do this? Because Pastor Nate said he has to say yes to God. That's not it. But you know what I'm saying? But I want to be, be that guy that says yes to God. I'm totally obedient to God. So how do we live this effective Christ-centered life? Joshua 1.8 says this. 
We're going to get back to the saying yes to God. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, God wants you to be prosperous and successful. You think, man, if I do it God's way, then I'm just going to be some lame old, you know, Bible thumping, Bible reading, just lame person. That's not the truth at all. God desires a purpose and a plan for you to be successful. And it may not look, some of you, you're going to be great businessmen and women, young people, and and God's going to bless you in that. Awesome, go do it. God doesn't care if you have an amazing huge house or a lot of money. Just use it for his glory. Be surrendered to God that says, okay, God, if I need to go on a mission trip, I'm going to go. If I need to open up my house and let people come hang out with me, then do it. God wants you to be prosperous. And so back to this becoming an, an expert thing in 2015, God was challenging me, and I was just like, man, God, I don't want to say yes to everything. And even last night, and I don't know if that, I think, this, I think the guy's in here today, but last night at 10.30 while I was sitting here in my office, the phone rang. And if I can be completely honest, and if he's in here, this is how I felt. I was like, God, I don't really want to answer this phone call. You ever get those moments where you're like trying to plan something and do something, and there's an inconvenient moment or a phone call that calls, comes in? And I, and, and I was like, I don't know. And God said, are you going to say yes? And I was like, okay, God, yes. So I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, Hey, man, I just got kicked out of my house. It's cold outside. It's snowing. And I was like, man, I'm sorry to hear that. He's like, but somebody, just random person picked me up, and I'm staying at their house, and I'm like, okay. And I'm like, well, what do you, what did you call me for? He's like, man, I need, I need Jesus. He's like, and I, I thought you were the only one that would answer my call. Come on. Saying yes to God, man, it's the most rewarding thing. That, that's, in that moment, it didn't care, I don't care about my message anymore. I'm just like, Dude, you thought that I would say yes and answer your phone call. And God's been speaking to me and speaking to me and speaking to me and saying, Nate, will you just be surrendered to me? Will you say yes to me? When, well, it doesn't matter if it's in a bunch of people or a small few people. Will you just be obedient and say yes to me? I believe that's what God is saying to us. What, what, is, he, what is he saying to you that's like, man, you've been putting it on the back burner because of fear or doubt or whatever. Don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. Talk about it. So here's our essential truth number two. Meditate on God's word. In that verse that I just read, it it said three different ways that we are to to meditate on God's word and to to live out God's word. And so this first one is is talk about it. Talk about God's word. Man, I know my wife and I, we, we talk a lot, and she knows when I'm excited about something, right? Husbands and wives, you know. When your husband's having a great day, you're gonna hear about it. Like, woo, yeah, life's going good. And when life's not going very good, right? You know about it, you hear about it. Okay, you guys don't talk. All right, that's okay. That's okay. That's all right. Hey, that's all right. Well, that's the first step. Just acknowledge I, can't, I don't talk. I need to work on that. That's cool. But you should talk about it. Don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. It's not just enough to read the word of God, but you need to talk about it. Discuss it. Discuss what God is speaking to you. My wife, she can come alongside and encourage me, and she says, Hey, you know, you need to say yes to God. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. There's moments where I, I struggle, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I don't have time for it. And she's like, what is God speaking to you? What does your spirit say? Not what your flesh. I know you might be hot. You might be cold. You might be hungry. That's all your emotions and all. That's all your senses. But what is God saying to you? Husbands and wives, be the helpmate that God's called you to be to encourage and spur him on or her on in the way that God's called you to be together. Don't hide these things from your husbands and your wives. Share them with each other. Talk about it. 
For some of us, you just need to jump into a, a life group. Get around other believers who are, who are better than yourself. When I say better, more mature spiritually, who know God's word and who will pour into you and will listen to you and encourage you. Some of you just need to be like, hey, all this stuff that you're doing wrong, it's nothing, none of it's in the instruction manual. Just re, let me hear, just teach you the word of God and let it spur you and lead you on. Others of you, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a quick start class today that was supposed to kick off. I don't know how many people they had. Maybe they'll kick off. It'll be a fresh start next week because there'll be more people because of the snow. I don't know, but get into a quick start. Maybe you've just given your life to Christ or you rededicated your life the last couple weeks. Get plugged into a group. There's another group. This one has a great title. It's called the Thirsty Group. To me, it sounds like a personal problem, but I get what they're trying to do. Be thirsty for Jesus. I get it. Be thirsty for the Lord. So jump into one of those groups. If you've got a spiritual hunger and you're like, man, I just want more of God. Get into a group. That's what the church is all about. It'll help you. Others of you, are you ready for this one? The second one, God says, think about it and meditate on it day and night. Meditate. Some of you are like, I'm never going to meditate because I don't like to sit like this. This is awkward. I get it. I'm not saying meditate like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you have to do it, get in the word of God and just do this thing and just meditate on God's word, okay? It's cool. Be different. Be weird. I don't, that's just who I am, but that's, you don't have to be that way. But meditate on God's word. Hide it in your heart. This is one thing that God's really challenging me to, to, to work on. This isn't on the screen because I just added it late last night. But Proverbs 15, chapter 15, verse 1, all right? I'm going to read it to you. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. I need to work on that. Because when my wife's like, hey, Nate, I think I'm saying, what? And she's hearing, what? And then it's like flares up. I mean, the house is on fire. And it's just because the words that I'm using, or I'm like, I, you know, I think I'm being kind and gentle, and, and I'm like, yeah, what? I'm really concerning, but it must not co- be coming out of my mouth that way. And, and it's something that I got to work on. But if I don't meditate on God's word, it's just something like, what? Don't bother me. Leave me alone. And then it's going to be like, ah! World War III, <laughs> rocket. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, cool. But Proverbs 15.1, hide it in your heart. Watch your words. Defuse the anger. Don't cause somebody else to stumble. Amen? Amen. So meditate. This is the other thing. You're already meditating whether you're sitting like this or not. Okay? Life has struggles. Life has difficulties. You're probably just like me. I worry sometimes. Sometimes my mind is my worst enemy, and all I do is just worry and worry and meditate on all the things that I can't control in my life. Amen? Amen? But meditate on the words of God, the promises of God, that he is for me. He's not against me. He will help me. He will help me be prosperous. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. Meditate on those things because you're already doing it. But hide God's word in your heart. Let it come to you. Let it speak to you. The last thing, number three, then God said, do it. Put into practice. Be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Take the teachings and the principles out into the world and live them every day. That's our job. That's, if you want to be effective, man, you're, you're, you're like a, you should be like a virus, a good one, not a bad one, a good virus that infects and affects the people around you. People should go, man, that person is awesome. They are compassionate. They are loving. Or, man, some of you guys, you're like the best truth speakers out there. And you do it in such a gentle way. When I speak truth, sometimes it's like, just watch out. 
That, that was a cat, okay, just so you know. You're just like brutal, and you're like, you know, you've ever been around those feline, those cats that are like, just leave you, like, don't touch me? Sometimes that's how I come when I speak truth. It's like, oh, he doesn't love me. But some of you, man, you just got God's grace and mercy on you, and you just speak truth and love, and they're like, you're just like the nicest person, and you just kick them up one street and down the other. And they're like, I love you. I'll do anything for you. Be that type of person. Be who God's called you to be. Go out there and do it. Someone said this, sin will keep you from reading the Bible, but reading the Bible will keep you from sin. Don't neglect it. Don't, ne- don't neglect the word of God. That's why we're in the middle of this series that we are in, the essentials. If you don't know the word of God, if maybe you've started, but then you get, you've given up, man, get going again. You don't even have to buy the book out there or the reading plan. If you've got your, a smartphone, get out the U version. Search Essential 100. It's right there. All the readings that we're doing is right there. I mean, what we can learn from from Joshua, be strong and courageous. When fear tries to cripple you, just trust me. Trust me, I'll go with you. I'll be your personal God. So essential truth number three, have faith and walk with expectancy. So today we're going to look, I just want to go back to Deuteronomy 31. Verse 3, and it says this. Joshua will lead you, Moses said, across the river, just as the Lord promised. See, God told Joshua to go and to do, for I will be with you wherever you go. Today, faith is an action word. Faith is, is not passive. Faith has to, be, has to have an action. Many of you would say, yeah, I have faith. Last couple of weeks has kind of gotten warm around here, a little nice. And I have these two guys in our youth ministry who like to come up to me and they, they keep, like, like to ask me questions. They're like, hey, Pastor Nate, so when it gets nice out this summer, are you going to go skydiving with us? And I'm like, what? They're like, hey, yeah, you know, we've asked you several times and you always say no, but we want to go skydiving. I'm like, I'm not going skydiving with you. Like, I have faith that that parachute will help you fly out of that plane and land on the earth, but I do not want to go out and do that. I mean, I've been to, like, football games and stuff where those guys come flying around. I've seen it. It's awesome. Go for it. And then my wife will pipe in. She's like, I'll go skydiving with you. And now they're like, now she's making me look like a wuss. So I'm like, oh, yeah. But I still don't want to go skydiving. They're like, are you going to come skydiving with us? And I'm like, absolutely not. And my wife's like, I will. And they're like, come on, Pastor Nate, why won't you go skydiving with us? And I'm like, well, you know what? The reason why I'm not going is because somebody has to stay here and collect the, the life insurance policy after. And they're like, huh, 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 what, you think we're going to die? I'm like, no, but I have faith, but I don't have enough faith to go, let's jump out of a plane, woo! I mean, I'm crazy, I would do it if I had to, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I would rather watch you and be like, show me the GoPro video afterwards. Man, I'm, I'm glad it was awesome. Your cheeks, woo! I'm sure it was awesome. It was great, but I don't want to do it. But sometimes that's how it is in our life, right? We say like, I have faith in the Lord. I believe what he did back then he can maybe do. I think he can do it. No, come on. Faith in God is saying, God, I believe that you are the same t- today, yesterday, and forever. Amen? God, I'm going to trust you in all things. I, I don't have to have the big picture, but God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go after you. And if you ask me to do something, I'm going tr- to walk in obedience to the best of my ability because I don't want to be a wanderer. I don't want to be a wanderer. I want to walk with purpose and passion. Amen? Amen. And that's the kind of commitment that God was asking of Joshua. It wasn't enough just for Joshua to 
to take over the leadership of the Israelites, but he had to step out in faith and walk with an expectancy, trusting God's command. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says this, This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's the promise for you. It was a promise for him. Man, will you walk with the confidence of, God, I'm going to be strong and courageous. Courageous is not going, I don't have any fear. Courageous is saying, God, even though I have fear, I'm still going to trust you. Walk it out. Walk it out. Notice what God said three times in this chapter. Read it with me. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. That's three times God says that. But here we go. Joshua takes over the Israelites. He's not in the promised land. He's got the river, the Jordan River, in front of him. He's probably going, God, what, am I ha- what do I have to do to get around this? How are we going to get across this? But I believe what we've learned when fear and doubt begin to f- fill your mind, what do you have to do? When fear and doubt begin to fill your mind, you have to reflect on the faithfulness of God and his promise and his word. When you're up against an obstacle, you have to go, stop, wait a minute. Today, God, I'm going to reflect on your promises. This is what you've done, and this is what your word says you're going to do, and I'm just going to wait. I'm going to reflect on your promises. And that's what I believe happened to Joshua, because Joshua gets there and he goes, this could be scary, three million people, how are we going to get across? But I believe this is what happens. He reflects and he goes, Oh, yeah, we've been here before, right? With Moses, the Red Sea. We got here, and he said, just take the step of faith and begin to walk. And when he began to walk, the, the water began to split. And that's the faithfulness of God. Does he do it the same way? No. He, I mean, it's completely different the way he does it. It's almost like a dam with the, with the Jordan River. But God was faithful. Today, remember, fear will keep you in the wilderness. Did you, did you realize that the, the Israelites... They could have traveled from Mount Sinai to the promised land in about a month's time. But it actually took them 40 years because they were caught in the grip of fear. Today, are you caught in the grip of fear? Is fear gripping you and keeping you from the promised land, from the purpose that God has for you today? God's word says this, don't be afraid. The great preacher Charles Stanley says it this way, the secret to overcoming fear is to focus on God and not your circumstance. As you meditate on the Lord and observe his work all around you, problems will seem smaller and more manageable. Every challenge is manageable in the presence of our holy and all-powerful and awesome God today. For us to be effective Christ followers, we've got to respond to the Lord with a willing heart that says, yes, God. And we've got to keep him at the focus. Matthew 28, 19 says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's our greatest call. Go. But you can't go when you say no. Today, I believe God is speaking to some of us and challenging us and saying, hey, what are you saying no to me about? How could 2015 be so different than from 2014 if you would just walk in obedience and say yes to God? When, God, when, you're, when you're going up to get a McDonald's meal and through the drive-thru and God says, hey, would you mind paying for the person behind you? Say yes to God. You don't know what that's gonna, how that's going to affect them. You know how that's going to come back around. Or maybe it's just send a card to somebody or an encouraging text. Or maybe share with a coworker what God's doing in your life. You don't know how that's going to change. So many times I believe we just, we, fear just, oh, it just crushes us. 
And it keeps us from filling the kingdom of God up. We've got to be people who are bold and courageous and share. Share our faith. Share your story. So today, as we, as we move into worship, I want to encourage you to ask God. This is really what I want you to do. Ask God if there's anything that you're saying no to him about because of fear or doubt that's causing you to miss out on his best for your life. When we worship, it's not about the song that we sing today. Maybe it is. Maybe, it's, maybe you know, you're struggling today. These altars are a place that we talk about are for the hungry. You come and connect with God. If you're having a difficult time, today I was talking to somebody out in the, the lobby, and I said, hey, and how's it going? And I loved what he said. He said, man, this, these two months have stunk. And I was like, thank you so much for sharing. And he's like, what? So many times, church, right? How's life going? Oh, it's great. It really stinks. But it's great. I just tell everybody it's great. Be open and honest. This is a real place where you can be open and honest with God in the front of our auditoriums today, where you can just lay it out before God and say, God, man, I just need to meet with you. You know what I'm struggling with. Meet me here. See, I believe today that if you'll say yes to God, God will lead you out of the, out of the wilderness and into God's purpose and promised plan for your life. That's what you, that's what you desire that's what you long for, is the purpose and the plan to walk in the call that God has, has for your life. Nobody wants to wander, but too many people settle to wander. And so many times as, as Christians, we settle and we let people wander when we could help them. When we take the instruction manual and we say, hey, you could do this so much better if you just do it this way, and help them and coach them and life coach them and mentor them. Maybe God is saying to you, that's what I feel like today, is God is saying maybe to some of you, it's time for you to start being disciplers. You've been sitting in the pews way too long. Start discipling and loving some people. Helping them walk in the ways of God. Amen? Amen. So would you stand with me as we, as I pray today? Lord, we love you and we thank you for your kindness. God, that you've led us to this place that we can Be encouraged again. That's my hope, that we would be encouraged. God, that you would speak to us as we look at the life of Joshua. Three times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God, may we be those people that are so surrendered to you that we just, man, when our our spirit convicts and when our spirit leaps, we just go, okay, God, I'm going to do it. I don't know how the outcome's going to be, but I believe you're in it. You're going to go before me. God, may your presence lead us and guide us today. Would you lead us and and guide us on how you want us to respond today in these auditoriums or even at home around a computer? God, how do you want us to respond to you? Today I ask that you would prompt moms and dads to pray with their children as they're at home today. God, that you would prompt some of us to to take that step. Well, it's going to be scary. People are going to think I have problems. God, may they just walk in obedience to you to respond to these altars, to meet with you if you're speaking to them like that. God, today we want to be your people that are obedient to you. God, we love you and we thank you for your loving kindness. Amen.